an update from the Mara Triangle. This is the Wildlife Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from WildEye, and I'm chatting to you guys from Boston. I arrived here yesterday, and on Sunday I move on to Chicago, and then from there on to New York. I'm doing a presentation and workshop series with Johan. He is arriving in Chicago to meet me on Sunday, and we are representing WildEye to meet people, to speak, to add value, and just to kind of help people with their photographic journey, which is super exciting. But... On top of that, we also have Luke, I think is currently in Madagascar. Andrew is in Mona Pools. There's a couple of guys in the Mara and Amboseli. So yeah, nice and busy times. But we got to keep doing what we do. And I just got a podcast audio from Jono. He was in the Mara a couple of weeks ago. And well, he was with the for quite a few weeks. It's one of his really, really uh, close to his heart type of places. And in this particular episode, Jono talks to David Arawasa, who's the administrator of the Mara Triangle, on how they are working together with the Greater Massa Mara through a consolidated management plan to create an environment that will protect the Mara ecosystem and also create a more pleasant experience for visitors. So if you have been involved in conversations about what's going to happen with the with all the vehicles and what's going to happen with camps and what's happening with the management of this side and that side. There's a lot of rumors that's been going around. So grab a cup of coffee and join Jono for this one as he speaks to David and get all the uh, information from the horse's mouth, so to speak. David's a great guy and um, lots of cool information here. If you have any other questions, please drop Jono an email. I will have that in the description and the caption of this podcast. And uh, we could also put you in touch with the from the Mara Triangle if you want to have a chat to them. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoy this one. Hi, good afternoon. I'm uh, John Buffy. I'm from Wild Eye, and uh, with me today is uh, the Chief Administrator of the Mara Triangle, or other uh, other um, Mara Conservancy, and uh, he is uh, to chat, come to chat to me in camp. And we're just going to discuss um, elements of the Mara, um, how the Mara system works, um, changes that are in place, and particularly around a, a, a social media post that uh, was posted by a well-known photographer who's got quite a few followers on, on Instagram, and he posted a, uh, a bit of chaos at a, well, quite a bit of chaos at a crossing point, and uh, the vehicles blocking the crossing, and and he also mentioned about vehicles around predator sightings. So it's a very big concern for us as operators within the in the region. And but David's going to share more about the Mara, um, and David's going to share more about what is happening and what plans are afoot in the in the Mara. So my first question to David is: David, the the Mara ecosystem is made up of the Mara Triangle and. And the larger Masai Mara, we call it the Greater Masai Mara, and the Serengeti National Park. Okay, what about how do the conservancies fit into it? The Mara North Conservancy? Yes, we have uh, other conservancies surrounding the National Reserve, and these are the best, uh, these are the community land. These are the people who have given their land, the Masai community, they have given the land for the conservation purposes. And you find that this is one of the biggest dispersal areas for our wildlife. Okay. And how does that, the Maasai family is giving their land and leases for lodges and stuff like that. How does that work? I mean, do um, certain families own certain tracts of land within the Mara and they sign up 
uh, agreements or handshakes with with lodges that are going to build a lodge or a camp on their on their land. Okay, so for any conservancies to be started, it has to come from the community themselves. So they agree as a community and say that this land we are going to put it aside for the conservation. And in that conservation also, they have to come up with plans on how they are going to do their cattle uh, or their livestock uh, management. So, and in all the parks around the Kenya, you find that uh, mostly it is within this pastoralist uh, community. And most of the pastoralist community are not uh, hunters of uh, wildlife. And that is why you find that uh, wildlife is really thriving within those areas where these, uh, these communities are living, the Maasai community. So it is an agreement. It has to be an agreement. It is a lease agreement between the community and also the investor for those people who are coming in to invest. And uh, you find that the lease agreement is al almost between 10 to 15 years. Okay. And are those written agreements or are some of them just uh, verbal agreements? All of the conservancies are also managed uh, by the Kenya Wildlife Service. Yeah. And they ensure that the people who are going into agreement, it has to be a written document. It is something that has to be taken to the land uh, board to be uh, uh, agreed by the national government that actually people have given out their land for this purpose of conservation. Okay, so yes. there can't be anything underhand there. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. All right, so the, so you, you, you are um, um, recently... Although the the um, the the Maasai Mara is split into the Mara Conservancy and the Greater um, National Reserve, there recently was a management plan that was signed, an agreement between the two um, operating entities. So the Mara Conservancy is controlled by the by the Mara Conservancy, uh, a, a, a private organisation, and the the National Reserve is controlled by the Narok County. So in that management plan, what are the, some of the dynamics of that management plan and some of the advantages of that management plan? Okay, thank you, Jono. So uh, in um, maybe I give a little bit history of how the Mara Triangle is being managed by the Mara Conservancy and how everything plays uh, within the, the conservation of the National Reserve that is being the Masai Mara being one entity. So initially, the Mara Triangle was part of the larger Masai Mara until 1994 when there was a split because of the administrative purposes and thereafter we were at the Transmara County Council and there was the Narok County Council and in 2012, 2013 when we had the, the new constitution so the all county council was merged together and now we formed one Narok County government so again, we went back to the Narok County government. So it is an one entity, but Mara Triangle is managed differently by the Mara Conservancy. So uh, recently, uh, in uh, when the new administration also, we had an election last year uh, in 2022, and we had a, we elected a new governor. And uh, we've been having this uh, issue of having a management plan. Uh, for a very long time, I think it was started long time, by, uh, it was 2008 when we started uh, an initial uh, uh, progress or plans to have uh, uh, the Masai Mara uh, having the management plan. But when the governor came in, uh, within the first three months, those were the first thing that he wanted to really to fix. And he wanted to see that we have uh, a plan that gives us how we are going to manage these very important resources. 
Uh, so we uh, there was three plans that was passed. We have the Masai Mara National Reserve uh, Management Plan that is for 2023 to 2033. It is a 10-year management plan. So we also have the, the Greater Mara Ecosystem Management Plan, uh, which is also running from the same, same period. From that now, the ecosystem is the one that now encompasses the Masai Mara National Reserve and the Community Conservancies. And then we have the Special Plan that okay. is now defining everything within the county government on how the resources is going to be uh, managed. So... But now let's go to this management plan that was passed for yeah. the Masai Mara National Reserve. Okay. So it is for the Masai Mara as a whole, not Mara Triangle and not the larger Masai Mara. It is for the whole. And in the management plan, it has stipulated actually how things are going to be run within the National Reserve. As to where the zonation is, we are having now the high use zone area, the low use zone area. So in the high use zone area, you find that we... Uh, a lot of emphasis is put to ensure that there is a lot of good connectivity in terms of road infrastructure. And also there is good signages because of the now high number of vehicles. So the high use area is those areas which many people are concentrating. There are maybe a lot of animals like the, migra uh, the migration points. So, so those are the, uh, the high use or, uh, or used area. So the low use areas are those the wilderness areas. So whereby we don't uh, in the management plan it has said that there will be no infrastructure development in those areas in terms of road networks, but a little bit of maybe signages. Okay. But in the high use zone area there will be uh, like now we have uh, uh, we are working on a, a, a washroom at lookout area. Yes. So this one will also improve on the facilities within the uh, in the in the national reserve and also in the Mara Triangle because you find that uh, at times people are staying in those crossing points for so many hours and they don't have where they can relieve themselves. It is only either the lodges or the Barra Bridge. But now we have a facility that will be now uh, has it has water, running water, clean, so you can change your clothes there. You can do uh, do you can. Uh, uh, you can actually have coffee because now those areas also we will uh, ensure that we have some co tables whereby you can just come and rest and take your, co uh, right. your coffee. Yeah. yeah, just for the for the listeners out there, um, Lookout Hill is a strategic hill that is um, very close to the crossing points or the major crossing points on the southern section of the of the Mara. And uh, it's, it's obviously a very, as David mentioned, it's a very much a high use zone and was uh, incidentally was um, in the region where the photographer I mentioned earlier um, made his post was a crossing, a wildebeest crossing that was happening in that area. Yes, so also in terms of uh, operations wise, the management also plan has given us a layout on how we are going to also improve the services within the reserve. And this one also stipulated on improve uh, having the enforcement team. Right. So the enforcement team will have vehicles. Yes. They'll be trained. And uh, uh, they'll also be given uh, some communication uh, gadgets. So this one will help the, 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 to reduce on the issues of, uh, like the one that we saw uh, recently, whereby we saw that there was a big number of people considering in a, a crossing point. So this one, with this, uh, the enforcement team, 
uh, they will be able to manage this kind of uh, problem in future. Okay. And just on the enforcement team, that's uh, field rangers for uh, for the general public out there, field rangers that are um, go out in the field every day and they obviously concentrate on making sure that um, there's control at crossings or control at predator sightings, uh, cat sightings. Yeah, so also uh, one of uh, the things that were uh, having a problem with our enforcement team is that they didn't have the communication, uh, the radios. And uh, you find that, um, so when there is a concentration, they couldn't know where there is, the, the, because sometimes, because most of the of the guides, they are using radio communications, mm -hmm. and they're able to call themselves whenever they see a sighting, maybe of a, of a cheetah, or a leopard, or a, or a lion. So, and our rangers didn't have, but from next week, okay. we have now acquired uh, radio communication for them. They have now a new, two brand new vehicles. So we are launching them tomorrow at uh, Serena. So they'll be getting the vehicles for, for enforcement. So the two vehicles, one will be specifically for the cheetah. Okay. Because we've seen that uh, cheetah, there is a cheetah that has four cups. And uh, one of the problems that cheetahs are facing currently is that now there is so much concentration of people and they're not allowing the cheetah to go and hunt for their cubs. Right. So, but with these vehicles that is coming in out from tomorrow, uh, we will see a very great impact and a big change in terms of management of the cheetahs. Okay. So there's a huge positive steps that are taking place um, as we sit here and chat. Yes. And and that's all part of this introduction of this management plan. Yes. And why these changes are coming and positive changes are coming about. Yes. And also the, to add on that one, also we are developing a safari etiquettes, and this one will be signed by the guides. So in the safari t uh, safari etiquettes, it is stipulating exactly that. I will not do this, I will not do this, I will not do this, I will not do this. And you sign for that. Okay. Where will they sign for that? Uh, we will have a meeting with the guides. Yes. And that's the safari guide? Yes, safari guides now. Yeah. So that we explain everything for them to understand that this problem is not for today only. It is a future problem. If we don't address it right now, it will become a problem for everybody. Uh, for the clients who are coming in, for the safari guides and everybody who is going to be visiting the park. So for these safari etiquettes, it will be, uh, we will teach them, we show them, and then they will sign for it. After you sign, you'll be given a small card so that you'll be showing in the gate Yeah. that I'm certified safari guide who has okay. learned about these etiquettes. And in that, uh, uh, the, the safari etiquette, it has a penalty that if I don't do this, these are some of the consequences that I'm going okay, to face. So that'll be fines. It's a fine of yeah. 20,000 for the first offender. And 20,000 is for, in uh, US terms, is about um, $150, huh? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And also the second time you'll get the first warning. Okay. The third you'll be banned okay. for six months. On that card, if yes. the guide hasn't got a card that he signed for he knows about all these, um, all this general etiquette and, and how to behave. If he hasn't got that card, will he be allowed access into the Mara? Uh, probably because it is a start we will allow and until at some point, probably next year, we'll okay. wish that everybody has signed for that. 
it will not only for the residents, it will also for any other driver that is coming into the Masai Mara. Right. Yeah. Okay. And obviously one of the one of the main pro is concentration of vehicles. Now I know we had a we had a chat some time back and uh and um outside the well inside the Masai Mara, I think there's in the and the Mara uh, triangle, there's fifty two lodges. Um I don't know how many vehicles each lodge has got, but there were, I think, 9,000 beds. Yes. 9,000 beds. Yes. Inside the park. Yes. Or was that, does that include, and there's 150 lodges outside. that are outside the park. Yes. And I mean, they've all got vehicles or there's guides that um, that drive guests from those lodges and they all want to come into the Masamara to, let's say, view the migration. Yes. So you've got 9,000 beds or 150 lodges. Yes. I don't know how many vehicles does that equate to. Have you done that? Uh, the number of vehicles, so we are currently now, so when we did the first assessment, uh, we were checking on the beds and also we were checking on the issues to do with the environmental impacts. And we were also checking on the source of power when we were doing the assessment, the source of power, if you're using a generator, what kind of power that you're using in yeah. your lodge. And also we started now looking into the, the number of vehicles. Okay. So the report is there. Uh, we are finalizing on the report. And uh, we will also share with our stakeholders to see the impact that whatever that they are doing has an sure. impact. Yeah, and I um, look forward to seeing that report. But, I mean, I think without being uh, um, obviously for forward thinking is... And that report's going to show that there's a huge amount of vehicle density yes, yes. in the reserve, and yes. and I, I'm I'm very grateful and I'm very pleased to hear that there's going to be general etiquette and uh, guides are going to be um, there's going to be some form of uh, of of training for the guides, yes, which is important, and I I look forward to the day that guides will not be allowed to come into the Mara if they haven't signed that um, that certificate or whatever um, that they'll be presented with, um, but. Essentially, there's going to be a lot of a lot of there's still going to be a lot of traffic, and everybody's comes here and they pay money to come and see their migration. How are we going to control the number of vehicles at crossing points, for example, or um, obviously the 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 with the increase uh, enforcement or ranges on the ground is going to assist with the the control of vehicles um, at cat sightings, very much like you do and to the uh, wild our guests that have been with us in the Mara. You'll know that the Mara Triangle is is controlled uh, far at, to a far greater and better level than maybe the National Reserve is at in current currently, um, where there's only five vehicles that are allowed at a at a cat sighting and they've got to rotate through those sightings. So so you'll understand that uh, the the reality of it is that the 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 Mara Conservancy as it stands that methodology and that um, that strict that strict controls that they have will be replicated in in the Greater Masamara, which is which is great news. Yes. But how are we going to control the number of vehicles? So this one has to be from all the stakeholders that we are working together. We need really need to come together and discuss on the issues on how we are going to reduce on the number of vehicles, and uh, we are planning. Probably we've seen. This is for the first administration. This is what they they saw this year that now there is a problem, uh, especially at the crossing points. And uh, one issue is that uh, 
uh, either we come up with plans on 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 if you can have a ticket so that you can access the crossing points. Those are some of the suggestions that we are looking into or also filling up the vehicles because you find that uh, there are some lodges whereby you find uh, instead of filling up their numbers to go for a crossing, you find that they have 10 vehicles with two or three people inside. And this is creating problem because all of us, we want to see this migration. The migration point is a very uh, small area and all of us want to see these wild animals crossing. So we're also going to meet with the stakeholders and see and develop some uh, plants at the crossing points whereby we don't go all of us to see. We can either be 40 meters away from the crossing point so that we can just allow the wildlife or the wild beast might to move around, to move across the river, rather than just all of us going down to the river to see the, 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 the migrations. And uh, so if we can see all these possibilities together, we will actually uh, mitigate some of these problems that we are really seeing. Yeah, I think my, my personal opinion, I think that, as you said, you've got a lodge with 10, 12 vehicles and two, three people in that vehicle. I think that's got to be uh, something that's got to be addressed because even if you get people from the outside and a, a minivan comes in a matatu, you, you're going to have maybe one person or two people in that um, in that minivan. Um, and it, one of the things that I've I've spoken to you about is is to increase the the cost for a vehicle to come into into the reserve. Yes. And also um, one of the things you when you went to the Kruger Park in South Africa, one of the things that they they've implemented there is they allow a certain number of day visitors because obviously they've got lodges within the park and camps within the park and they look at the, the, the occupation of those camps and lodges, and that'll determine how many day visitors they'll allow into the park on any given day. Yes. And if you don't get to the gate on time, you, you don't, uh, you're not allowed into the park. Is that, is that something that's been considered? Is, so you, you have a certain carrying capacity, if you can call for want of a better word, of number of vehicles in the park. Uh, when we were also during the launch of this management plan, I think this, issue of the current capacity came in strongly mm. and the stakeholders and the experts said that we really need to find the current capacity of the light of the Masai Mara yeah. and uh, recently nobody was anticipating that we'll have such big numbers because we are coming in from the post-covid uh, times and this year the even year for the Mara Triangle it has been one of the years it, this is the year that we saw a huge number of, uh, of 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 clans crossing over and putting pressure on our on on this side, and uh, for now also we are thinking of increasing the high use zone areas. Okay. So beginning January we are going to to uh, increase the high use zone area. It will be now from Ololono Gate to the 50 kilometer junction, four kilometer junctions. And then to Mara Bridge, so that big area will now be high use. So area. you can't off road there for cattle. Yes, you can't off road now. So, but we are going to increase on the cut grass tracks. Okay. Simply, uh, another thing also is about the tracks that we are going also to to create on the other side. So this one will increase and reduce on the off road driving on the other side. Okay. 
So from next year, when you come for the game drive at the larger Masai Mara, you'll now see the cut grass tracks okay. for the view. All right. So as long as there's more tracks, and yes, it won't it yeah. won't detract from being able to view yes, 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 view yes, the yes. cats. I mean, yeah, you know, even the road networks that is being done there is also to reduce on the pressure. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. And um, the, uh, I understand that there's there's talk about increasing park fees, looking at increasing. Uh, um, uh, lease leasehold agreements and um, people having to lodges and camps having to pay a higher fee for leases and that is that something that's uh, the new governor and we'll talk about the new governor now but is uh, increase in park fees is that being a consideration to and will, is that a re, is that is increase in park fees a reason um, to, is that in order to de, um, decrease the number of people you know in Botswana they've got a they've got a method where they have uh, high cost, low, low, low use, um, and that works pretty well in Botswana. Uh, so I'll also refer back to the also the management plan in terms of the lease agreements, and this is uh, you find that most of the lodges uh, do not have a proper lease, and uh, so the uh, the management plan develop a lease agreement that now will be signed by the investor and the county government. So that one also, they are still in uh, development stages. We're still now meeting the community members, those who call themselves uh, the landlords. Okay. And uh, so we are yet to come into agreement because now we are looking into having, um, they have their lawyers. We have the county lawyers. We see the the, the possibilities that now they, they can be incorporated in the lease agreement. Okay. And uh, in terms of the uh, fees, uh, yes. Uh, we are uh, planning. Uh, it is now in the finance bill of this year, uh, of the twenty twenty three twenty twenty four financial year. So it is being discussed even today. Okay. So and it will be out. The stakeholders will be informed. And now we are coming up with uh, a low uh, low season price, and the, we call it the high season uh, price. So this one will be running the low you see, the low uh, low low price uh, low season price will be running from January to June, okay. And uh, the high season will be running from July to December. Although there is some discussion about the uh, either it can be up to November, so that we have n- November, October, December being a low use so, low low season price. Okay. So this is one thing that we are seeing. Maybe we will help us to decongest the park, so that we can push. If people can come in for the green season, the one that is now the low priced, uh, because mostly you find that we don't want to have those two seasons. We, us, we just wanted to have a whole around uh, visitation of the park, right. so that we really focus that. Uh, during the low or the green season, we we are able to to s- people who are so much interested with the big cats. Uh, this is their best time to come in for the for the big cats. Yeah, and uh, so that only those people who are uh, so so the migration. Uh, because also we are seeing that there is some, I don't know if it is because of the climate change. Because now we are seeing we are having less and lesser migration. Uh, not like do you, do you, I mean I th- I think it's probably got more to do with climate change yes. and, and maybe burns that are happening in Tanzania where yes. they're burning areas so creating uh, 
green, a lot more green, lush grass for the wildebeest to stay longer there. Yes. Um, or not come to the Mara at all. Do you think it's rather the climate change? You know, this year was quite um, interesting. There's obviously, the, from a migration point of view, it's almost come to an end now. Yes. Um, which is quite, which is quite early um, in comparing to previous years. Yes, yes. But there's been a very, there was very little rain in in July and August in the Mara. Yes. In the Mara, and there was a lot of rain down in Tanzania. Yes. So the wildebeest almost turned around in mid-August. They, yes, they are they are and also, uh, we've learned that also they've increased some conservation areas in Serengeti. And that is what now, the way that the wild beast has to fill this portion first because it's a new area, and then now they can move it to there. Yeah, so okay, that is. And, and, and obviously from a migration, has the lodges that are on the Talek River and lodges that are now springing up on the Sand River, do you feel that's had a impact on the migration you know the the migratory herds haven't been uh, to paradise valley and 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 Mosiera for for a number of years and i think three years they haven't and they, therefore they haven't been crossing up um up north near at the main serena crossing points has that had a negative impact do you think and how what are you going to do about that okay so this is a reality because now we used to have the migration uh, coming in all through to uh, the Talek area, the Musiara. And you find that for some years now, we've not been having crossings on, from the Talek River to those areas. And another thing is that you find that we used to have the loiter migration. Mm -hmm. So the loiter migration now is dead because of the, uh, of the fencing uh, along those corridors of wild beast migration and the zebra migration that used to come from the loiter. So the lodges that have been uh, sprunging up between the uh, Sun River and um, and the Talek, uh, so those are some of the, I can say problem because now we, we no longer see those crossings happening, simply because either they have blocked those, uh, the migration corridors and uh, and animals, you might think that they are not, uh, they are also intelligent because mm. uh, they go and see that there is an, 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 a facility somewhere and you find that they don't cross on those points now. So, and those are really, the, the, those, those, those infrastructure developments or those facilities have really affected those uh, migration points. Mm. But there's yeah. nothing you can do about that now. Uh, now, the only thing that the management plan has stipulated is that there is no more construction of okay. infrastructure of tourist facilities within the park. Okay, so that's done now. Right? It's so done now. So those which are, are, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. so they'll never be uh, either demolished or removed, but there is no further de development of uh, facilities. Sorry, going back to park fees, when was the last time the, the Mara increased their park fees? It was 2015, I think, or? It's even no, it's longer, it's longer, longer than that because than that. Uh, I think we've been having the seventy dollars probably around two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight. Yes, yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so it has been a long, long time since. Yeah. So yeah. and we've never either reduced or increased. So this could be one of those times that we really need to increase the park fees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a price, it's, but it's it's not necessary for for income. It's it's to try and reduce the amount of yes, amount yes of yeah. we are trying to reduce to decongest the park you decongest it. yeah
Okay, so I'm going to jump in here quickly. The audio that I received from the guys from here on kind of disappears a bit. The quality jumps and then it just fades away. So the last little bit, though, is it's just a few minutes that we're missing out on. But if you have any questions on anything that John and David discussed here, please get in touch with them directly. And this could be anything from how it will affect your experience, what the Mara's future holds, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on the go, and we at Wilder, I believe this is all for the best. But if you have any questions, please let us know. As always, guys, thanks for listening, and I will chat to you in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Bye for now.